Welcome back to the Crowd Noise Podcast, everybody. I am your host, Stephen Martinez, and do we have a show for you today, January 31st, 2019. I mean, I can't wait. I mean, all week long, I've been dying to record and make a new episode. No, I did not do a little, um, I guess, a recording session every single day for the Super Bowl because absolutely nothing came out of Atlanta for Media Week. But uh, nonetheless, it is Super Bowl week, and uh, I've been really excited to talk about that. And then Monday morning, at around 5 in the morning to be specific, 4 or 5 in the morning, depending on what time zone you're in, uh, Woj bomb goes off. And it wasn't just any Woj bomb. This was a nuclear, catastrophic, devastating Woj bomb. Anthony Davis requests a trade. Okay, great. We're going to have a great show. Then about 20 minutes ago, it's it's uh, 1 o'clock right now, and like 20 minutes ago, literally, I'm getting ready to come in here and uh, record, boom, Woj bomb. Chris Porzingis has just been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, we got some stuff to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I can't wait. We got to go. This is going to be a, a good test for me because I usually have so much that I want to say and I can't because I just, you know, I ramble on and I go a little bit too in-depth sometimes uh, and then not in-depth enough in other places because I've wasted so much time, kind of like I'm doing at this very moment. But today I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep the pace nice and brisk. I'm going to keep it moving. We're going to have a nice rhythm going. And uh, yeah, because we got plenty of stuff. It's going to be a great show. This might go down in the pantheon of all-time crowd noise episodes. We have some great stuff today. Great stuff. So we're going to get right into it. We cannot waste any time. We have uh, the Super Bowl on February 3rd. That's this Sunday at 3.30. That's Pacific time. Um, We're going to pick that game, obviously. Definitely, we're going to pick that game. We're going to break it down. Uh, The best prop bets that I'm seeing, we have these every single year. There's some that are, um, you know, pretty good bets, I would say. Um, and then there's some that are pretty ridiculous. They're kind of obscure, but, you know, it's the Super Bowl. I mean, gambling is now legal. So uh, yeah, it's it's huge. Uh, we're gonna be I'm gonna be picking, uh, I guess the best prop bets and telling you where I'd put my money uh, if I had any. And then to close out the show, I'll be, or not to close out, but the second part of the show, all NBA. I mean, this is gonna be 50 50 uh, football, basketball. We got Anthony Davis, Trey, and that was this week. This is I mean I'm not exaggerating. 20 minutes ago, Kristaps Porzingis was just traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he met with the Knicks front office this morning. I didn't think anything of it. You know, I saw it. Uh, I was actually in class, to be quite honest with you. Instead of uh, actually taking notes, I was, you know, doing research for the show. That's that's the kind of effort I put in for you people. Um, and it said that he was meeting with uh, the front office. He was frustrated and he doesn't like the direction. Whatever. I didn't think anything of it because a lot of people don't like the directions that the Knicks have taken over the past 30 years. So didn't think anything of it. Uh, came home. Just having lunch, uh, and then a Woj bomb, boom, and now we have, we got a show today. So let's go ahead and get right into it. Oh, then we got a quote of the week. I don't even know if the quote of the, we're going to do quote of the week, because one, we may not have enough time, and two, I, it pales in comparison to everything else. I mean, the, the quote of the week is really, uh, not that it's not great, but just everything that's going on during the week and, and today, I mean, currently, it, it's unbelievable. I'm so happy because I always say the best sports news happens when crowd noise is published. Every time I put out an episode, it's, it seems like something comes out in the sports world, um, whether it's Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, something always comes out, and then I don't, I don't get to talk about it until the next week over. This is the first time that something happens right before I'm about to record, which is great because I can actually... I can actually get to it. I can talk about it. So I can't wait. Let's do the Super Bowl first. Let's go ahead and get right into it. So I did not do, as I alluded to last week, um, a small recording and a recap of each day uh, of Media Day because nothing happened. It was terrible. I mean, it was nothing is going on. Uh, Again, going back to basketball, it's the week of the Super Bowl. You know, one of the greatest sporting events on, on this entire planet. And uh, no one is, that's like an afterthought. The focus of the country right now is on the NBA. So that tells you how slow it's been in media week for the NFL. I didn't want to waste my time uh, or your time because think, I mean, if I had 
done that every single day to break down quotes or non-quotes, we would have less time to talk about Chris Porzingis and Anthony Davis. Um, and I thought this was ironic because, I, you know, it was, it was a terrible media week. It's really boring. No one, I mean, people are talk, they're talking about the NBA to, to try and, you know, entertain themselves. And I think that's ironic because I have this gut feeling uh, I just have I just have this feeling, this is gonna be one of the worst Super Bowls in the past two to three decades. I feel like this Super Bowl is gonna be horrendous to watch. Um, the Patriots during media week were you know it was business as usual. They were nonverbal. They didn't give. They did all these interviews. They did like forty interviews a day, and they said nothing, nothing of note. Um, and the Rams. Were the exact opposite. They, you know, if you if you didn't know any better, you would assume the Rams act, have already won the game. You know, they were giving all kinds of empty quotes. You know, one-liners, jokes. They were having all kinds of fun. Uh, Nikel Roby Coleman was running his mouth, talking trash about Tom Brady, which I don't have a problem with. But uh, if you're the guy who's committed the worst non-called pass interference in NFL history, I think now might be the time you want to just, you know. Um, take a back seat and let someone else talk some trash to Tom Brady. But nevertheless, the Rams have been running their mouths and they've been talking and talking and talking. Uh, and the Patriots, you know, it's, it's it's another game. And that's part of the Patriot way, you know. I mean, they're they're designed and they've built this dynasty on enough is never enough. You hear Bill Belichick, once, even after they win a Super Bowl, what, is this, what does he say? We're four weeks behind everyone else. Like, we're getting the offseason started tomorrow. There's no days off. This is what the Patriots do. And the Rams are the exact opposite. They're all kinds of fun. You know, we're political. You know, we're, we're a pro player, which, again, I don't disagree with. I think the NFL should go toward, go to a more pro player direction. But when you're in the Super Bowl, in the biggest game of anyone on that team's career, uh, I would like if they took it a little bit more seriously. Um, you know, it just every, they just were just kept talking and talking and talking. Jared Goff said he'd buy a shark if he if they won the Super Bowl. C.J. Anderson he said he was hard to tackle. Wade Phillips was wearing uh, his dad Bum Phillips's hat and coat, which I mean I guess is not too bad. I mean, you know, it's a way to honor his father. But you know, it's just a lot of media storylines were coming out of the Rams camp rather than the Patriots. Sean McVay said every single word in the English English language twice. Um, so actually, this is a regular week for Sean McVay. That guy loves to talk. He's, he's, you can tell he's from the, the Gruden coaching tree because he just he loves to speak. It's his favorite thing is just to use words. And I guess that's kind of hypocritical coming from a guy with a podcast with, you know, like eight and a half listeners. Um, and I said it last week. You know, talking about how my disgust in the uh, AFC and NFC Championship games. This was the worst possible matchup we could have gotten, the Rams and the Patriots. If it had been the Rams and the Chiefs, that'd be great. If it was the Patriots and the Saints, that would be great. If it was the Chiefs and the Saints, that'd be great. This was the worst possible game anyone could have gotten. And uh, we were forced. We didn't. It was not even like that we just got this game. I said this last week. Uh, if you didn't listen to it, I highly recommend you go back and listen to last week's episode. It's not who got there, it's how they got there. It feels like we were kind of forced this this game, and it's really... The the lead up to it is already terrible. Like, no one's even looking forward to this game, and we haven't even started it yet. Um, and there's so little... You see that in media. There's so few storylines uh, going on in media week leading up to this. The only one that's... Comp- I mean, repeatedly being shoved down everyone's throat, and I'm so sick of it, is the age difference in both coaches. How young Sean McVay is versus how old Bill Belichick is versus... I mean, it's it's bad. When the, when the biggest storyline of the Super Bowl is two guys' age who really, when you think about it, have like zero impact on the game itself. Well, I can't say that. They're not going to play a single down Sean McVay and Bill Belichick, they're not going to be on the field for one play. And they're the most talked about people in this football game. That's not good. That should give you an idea about how bad this game is going to be. Um, we're not going to talk about it. We're not, I'm not, I promise you I'm not going to. Because I'm sick of hearing it, and I'm sure you are too. It's the only thing that anyone can muster up and try to make this game interesting is the age of the two coaches. And I'm so, it's ridiculous. There's These teams are just, it's just so boring. I mean, I... I and there's not they got they ruined that too. 
Sean McVay has been repeatedly talking about, oh, it's so great, you know, me and Bill Belichick are friends. He texted me after the Vikings game. He, he went off like all week long about how week four, they play the Vikings on Thursday night and Bill Belichick texted him after the game. Hey, great job. I love your offense, this, that, and the other. And Sean McVay has been repeating that since, I mean, Monday. I mean, he's been saying that since mo- every single day. I, I can't tell you how many times Sean McVay has reminded everyone that he ha- has access to Bill Belichick's phone number. He's on texting terms with Bill Belichick. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And he's so happy about it, which I would be, I mean, I would be terrified. I would be, I would be horrified if I were Sean McVay because what that means is not only, it's not, it doesn't mean that Bill Belichick is a fan and he wants to be buddies with you and he really likes your offense. No, what that means is that he's been watching your team since at least week four. That's the game he told you he was watching. You know, it, so he hasn't been watching film just this week. He's been watching film since at least week four. So uh, Bill Belichick is going to be ready to go uh, against the Rams, and so will the Patriots. And, uh, you know, we've seen this before. Teams in media week are just having a blast, and they're having all kinds of fun, and they're giving great interviews and, you know, all kinds of jokes. And then they, they just get smacked. In the first quarter, it's like they have to wake up. Like they're not ready to play because they're just having too much fun. I feel like that's going to happen to the Rams. And when you're playing a team that's as well run as the Patriots, you're not going to have the luxury of getting, getting the operation started in the second half and then catching up and winning the game. It's not going to happen. Um, getting into picking the games now. I feel this is going to be a meltdown by the Rams. I feel like we're gonna. The whole world is gonna watch the Rams crumble in the Super Bowl. I think they're gonna get buried early at halftime. Um, Sean McVay is just gonna because this is usually what coaches try to do when they play Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. They try to reinvent the wheel. They try to outthink Bill Belichick, and they end up outthinking themselves. They tried. They try to reinvent the wheel. You know, try to come up with a new um, kind of like I did right there. I tried to come up with a new. Uh, phrase and I couldn't and so I had to explain myself for those awkward second and a half so that's exactly what Sean McVay is going to do he's going to try a trick play or he's going to go for an unnecessary fourth and seven on his own side of the field get stopped uh, shift momentum Jared Goff is probably going to turn the he's going to turn the ball over actually guaranteed uh, he played well last week we'll get to that in a second but he's going to turn the they're going to be turnovers in this game um, and the Patriots are just going to capitalize. They're just going to keep scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring um, like they do in the postseason. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think the Rams are just going to get buried and they're just going to find themselves in a hole that they can't uh, get out of. And it's just going to pile on after that. I really, really have a gut feeling that the Patriots are going to blow out the Rams, which makes me so upset because all the Patriots fans who aren't even from Boston are going to be mouthing off on Twitter and mouthing off at, at your workplace or your school or wherever you see your Patriot fans on Monday, which they usually are in their defense. They normally are around the first Monday in February. They're usually pretty obnoxious because they have the right to be, but not this year because they have they were gifted a spot in the Super Bowl and they're going to justify it with, look, we just blew out the Rams. What more do you need to see? Um, and so that makes me upset that it, they're going to feel justified in their appearance in the Super Bowl. Uh, all the non-Bostonian Patriots fans are going to be, you know, uh, showing off their sixth Super Bowl and just so happy for a team whose city or state they've never even visited. Uh, so that makes me pretty upset to know that that's, that's going to be the reality. Because the past three to four Super Bowls have been good. They've been pretty good Super Bowls. They're not all good. I mean, you'd like to think they're going to be good games and they're going to be excited because it's the Super Bowl. It's an event. Everyone has parties. This one's going to be horrendous. This is going to be one of the worst Super Bowls you have ever seen in your life. I promise you that. This is going to be terrible. Because um, the Patriots are just going to run away with it, and it's going to be over by halftime. There's not going to be any competition in this game. It's going to be boring. Uh, your Super Bowl party is probably going to be over by midway through the third quarter. Everyone's going Because remember, it's, it's on a Sunday. So everyone's got work and school on Monday. They're probably If the game is over, everyone's just going to leave, and you're going to be stuck with like, you know, three and a half feet left of that six foot sub that you got that you ordered for sixty dollars or whatever. You know, it's you're gonna be stuck with all that, all those leftovers, and you're gonna be sitting to yourself, who's gonna eat three and a half feet worth of cold cut sandwiches from Albertson? It's gonna be a mess. It's gonna be a horrible, horrible Super Bowl. But let's break down the football part of it. Um I really feel that this is gonna be more self inflicted wounds by the Rams 
more so than what the Patriots are going to do to the Rams. Because the Patriots, they have their own operating system. They are going to do what they want to do. Um, and it's really not up to you to stop it. It's really more, can you answer? Because, you know, this is what they've done. They did it to the Chargers. They mauled the Chargers real bad. The Chiefs, like I said, had a chance to win. They probably should have won the game. Uh, but they couldn't stop the Patriots. Could the Chiefs. Whether, you know, what I like I felt there was a rough in the pass, or not a rough in the passer, Chris Hogan dropped. The Patriots still drove up and down the field all game long. Um, because they're not going for home run plays like the Chiefs and, and similar to the Rams. They're just, they're just so efficient. I mean, Tom Brady, and this is why I think it's going to, be a, it's going to get out of hand early. Because everyone's talking about Aaron Donald and Adama Sue. Well, if you can get pressure to Brady, you have a chance. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. But this postseason, uh, Tom Brady has only been pressured once. This postseason. One time. He's only, he's only faced pressure once this entire postseason. He hasn't been sacked one time. And a part of that is on you know, the offensive line. But most of that is on Tom Brady and uh, Josh McDaniels, the offensive scheme. It's just so quick and efficient. I mean, they're not taking three-step three step drops and surveying the field and looking for who's open. It's, it's like two-step drops and the ball is out. I mean, so Ndamukin Sue and Aaron Donald are going to be neutralized because the ball is going to be out. The second that it's hiked, the second that the play starts, it's it's done. It's over because they get it. What do they do? They like to get a Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan in little crossing routes, uh, Rex Burkhead, James Devlin, James White, little screens. And then they get five, five to six yards every single play. So they're moving the ball down the field. You can't stop them because it's just too quick for you to do anything about it. And then you overplay and then they hit, you know, they hit uh, they're over the top for Rob Gronkowski. Then they get a huge chunk play, and then it's just like an avalanche. It's a snowball. You can't stop it after that. The Patriots are just so wickedly efficient. This is the best I've seen Tom Brady play in the past like three or four years. I mean, he's really on another level right now. It's just so quick and so efficient. It's like the anti-Patrick Mahomes, you know. Um, he's not throwing the ball downfield. They're three, four yards down the field, but they're getting first downs. They're moving the ball, and no one can stop them. So I don't want to hear any of that nonsense, the um, sports talk Joe uh, he's mastered the yard, the four-yard completion because that's nonsense. That's strategy. That's called winning football. Again, going back to last week, free throws are a part of the game of basketball. You make free throws because they, they count for points. You throw it to the open receiver in football. And if it really were that easy, then Alex Smith would be the greatest quarterback of all time because he's made his entire career off of throwing five yards and in. And Alex Smith, I mean, even though he's hurt, we're not going to hold anything against him there. But he's not Tom Brady. Couldn't hold Tom Brady's socks, okay? So everyone stop complaining about Tom Brady and how he doesn't throw it down the field. He throws it to the right guy, okay? He throws it to the open guy. So I don't think the Rams are going to be able to capitalize uh, on their pass rush. I don't think they're going to be able to slow down Tom Brady. And uh, the Rams, conversely, again, I'm speaking on the first half, they're going to try and swing for the fences. They're going to run trick plays. You know they're going to go for fake punt. They've run like a fake punt every single week, it seems like. At some point, it's, it's not a surprise. At some point, it's re- you almost come to expect when the Rams are going to run, go for a fake punt because they do it every single week. I mean, it's kind of getting annoying. It's really getting – it's like the, the guy you play in Madden, and you know every, he's lining up for a field goal. It's fourth and two, and it, on, like on the 48-yard line – and you're like, you're not kicking it. You're going for a fake. And he's t- no, I'm kicking it. I'm, I, I'm telling you. Then he runs a fake. And then you stop him. And he goes, man, that almost worked. Like, no, it didn't, idiot. I saw that coming a mile away. Eventually, the Rams are going to get stopped. And it's probably going to come this game. Uh, they're not going to pull any of those stunts. Uh, Bill Belichick and the, and the Patriots. Um, so I think they're really just going to bury themselves in a hole. I think Sean McVay is going to try and get too creative. Uh, he's going to try and be the whiz kid and outsmart Bill Belichick. And uh, I really, really feel it's going to be a blowout by it. I mean, halftime, it's going to be over. And then third quarter, it's going to pour it on. And the fourth quarter, because, you know, the Patriots are not, you know, they're not really flashy. They're not really ones to run up the score. I think once it gets out of hand, uh, Brady might even sit for most of the fourth quarter. We don't, we don't know. Um, they might actually start pulling starters, I feel like, in the fourth quarter. It's going to be so out of hand. Uh, this game, well, hang on, that's, that's another point. That was a setup for another segment. But I'll take the Patriots 38-6. to six. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take them 
like because they don't score a ton. I mean, 38 points for the Patriots, that's a lot of points. I mean, they scored how much did they score against the Chiefs? They scored a lot, but that's again against the Chiefs. Generally, the Patriots don't really score a ton of points. So 38, that's a lot. Uh, I think Greg Zerline will have a, a good day, I guess. Two field goals. I think the, the Rams will have a field goal in the first quarter. Or maybe not. I think they'll probably have a field goal to close this, the first half. And then probably like a field goal at the end of the third quarter. And But by then, it's just going to be out of hand. Or no, probably not because by then, they're going to be going for it on every... So maybe maybe they'll have two field goals in the first half. But I'm going to take the Patriots 38-6. to six. Uh, It's going to be a brutal Monday morning. Not just for me, but I know for everyone knows at least seven Patriots fans who aren't from Boston, who have no business where they're from Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and, and they, well, yeah, Patriots, and then we're going to have to hear them all year long, Quest for Seven, or what is it, Stairway to Seven? Yeah, that's what the Patriots fans are saying. That's what the Patriots fans have been saying, or excuse me, I meant to say Pittsburgh, and I said Patriots. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers fans have been saying for like the past seven years is stairway to seven you know seven super bowls and their whole team they're like at a rebuild all of a sudden they're losing their best two players so um who knows maybe this will be the end of the patriots dynasty where everyone's trying to find the end of the patriots dynasty when they lose i think it's probably going to be more like that they ride off into the sunset like you know kind of like the spurs a little bit uh and just kind of you know after they win one it's gonna we're gonna start to see the signs of decay i don't know probably probably not but uh i'll take the page and they're going for a three-peat next year oh no they aren't no i'm lying i'm lying the eagles won last year it feels like the patriots win every single year though even when they lose it feels like they win so um yeah i'll take the patriots 38 to 6 in this game the super bowl not very fun it's not going to be a really entertaining game you're going to look to, it's, this game's going to feel a lot like having a root canal and the anesthesia is kind of wearing off and you're really uncomfortable and you, you just, you want to kill yourself on the, on the dentist's operating table and it's just terrible and there's no end in sight. So you're going to need something to entertain yourself. Um, this isn't an ad. I know it sounds like I'm setting up for an ad, but I'm not. Uh, you're going to need something to entertain yourself with because the game is not going to be any fun. You're going to have to find a way to root for something or someone to happen, something to happen or someone to do something. You're going to have to invest yourself in the game. So one way or another, because the football, I mean, you're just watching the game. Good luck. You might as well try and go finish that three and a half foot sub that's left. That's, I challenge you to finish that sub. So what if you're not trying to eat the three and a half feet of sub, which you shouldn't, I mean, because you probably get sick. Um, that meat's been like sitting out for two days at Albertsons. It's, it's been chilled, but it's not fresh. So don't eat that, all the, that, all that sandwich. So the Super Bowl has, you're going to have to find something to entertain yourself with. Invest your money. There are plenty of prop bets going on. Um, and depending on who you have at the Super Bowl party, if you can find, uh, you know, the guy who's not really as smart as you, uh, who does, or who doesn't listen to crowd noise podcasts, which chances are they don't, um, you know, you could you could start wagering. You could start to wager your money and uh, get into some of the bets. And every year, there's there's great bets. A lot of you know, like uh, there's some that go on every single year, like some classic ones. And there's some that are uh, game specific, I guess you could say. Like depending on who's doing the halftime show, uh, who's doing the national anthem, you know, who's calling the game, different stuff like that. So we're gonna be doing uh, some of my favorite, or I guess the most interesting prop bets that I've seen for this year's Super Bowl. Uh, how many do I have here? Six or seven? Okay, so we're doing six prop bet. I'm giving you the uh, the over-unders, the yeses and the noes, and then the pluses and the minuses and uh, what I would do if I had any money to spend. I don't, so I'm going to pretend I'm spending your money. You can use uh, my advice or not uh, if you decide to engage in these prop bets. Uh, so here we go. The first one. And uh, I think this is you, you almost can't even... You, this, you can't lose... You can't lose this one. Uh, will the age gap of Sean McVay and Bill Belichick be mentioned? Yes, is minus 200. No, is currently standing at a plus 150. Now, this one is so obvious. I don't even think you can make money. This is one of those where it's just, it's so clearly obvious. Like, you can't, you'd have to bet like $1,000 to make like 20. Now, those are like exaggerated numbers. I don't actually know how much you'd have to spend to make a, a solid amount of money. But this one is just like too easy. I'm taking yes here. 
That's all they've been talking about all week long, and you're telling me they're not going to say it once over the course of five hours? Because think, the Super Bowl is really long, really long. It is incredibly long. So over five hours, they're not going to say it one time. Come on. Uh, yes, they will mention the uh, McVay-Belichick uh, age gap. Number two, and I actually thought of this when the Super Bowl, when the Patriots won, because, I, again, they do these prop bets uh, every single year, and I thought, man, it'd be a pretty good bet if X, Y, and Z, and here it is. It actually is a prop bet, so, uh, you know, if this podcasting business doesn't work out for me, I could always be a wise guy uh, for the Superbook in uh, the Las Vegas. So how many times will Giselle Bunchen, I think that's how you say it, I don't care, uh, be shown on camera over under one and a half? Uh, I'll take the over. I think they're going to show her probably about, I'd say three to five times. So it, I, obviously all, any of those numbers are good for you. Uh, I guarantee she will be shown on camera for sure. I mean, if it was one time and the under, the under wins, I wouldn't be too upset. But I think it's going to be more than once. They might show her cut back to a play. And then once the play is over, they show her again. That count, I would assume that counts as, as two uh, instances. So I'll take the over here you know, two to two to three times. Um, and yeah, I actually felt like this was going to be a bet before the Super Bowl even, before these things came out, I felt like, I felt like this was going to be a prop bet. And it was, so, you know, t- whatever that's worth. Uh, number three, will the passing interference be shown? Yes, plus 200, no, minus 300. I actually feel kind of like, uh, you know, kind of like the age gap, that it's almost a guarantee. Uh, there's also there's the fact that you have to consider possibly Roger Goodell speaking to CBS and saying you will absolutely not show this highlight at all. Um, but Roger Goodell is really not a proactive guy. We've seen that over the years. He's kind of he did took him like eight days or eleven days to come out and even mention the pass interference in the first place. I don't think he's going to go to CBS. I'll take the risk here. I'll say yes plus two hundred. I actually feel like. They're, they have to show it. Again, they have to show it whether they're going to do not mention it one time over five hours and then not show it because they're gonna, if, they, if, they, if they start talking about it, they're going to show it. They can't talk about it and then not show what they're talking about. So I, I would say yes, plus 200. Uh, okay, number four. How many plays will Tony Romo predict over, over, over under one and a half, 1.5? Uh, I anticipate three to four because he does this like, he kind of gets on a roll. It's usually later in the games when he kind of gets a feel for what everyone's doing. So I feel like early on you might see one, maybe two, especially if they get in the red zone, which I think the Patriots are going to spend a lot of time in. You'll start hearing some predictions. I'll take the over here. I think this is a really, really good bet. Over, under, one and a half. Like, I mean, if, you're, if you feel like one and a half, you're taking the under. You, you haven't watched any CBS because Tony Roma does it a lot. Uh, he makes a lot of predictions. I mean, it's not to the point where you're hearing like, 10 to 12 or anything like that but he makes it the the predictions often throughout the game I think this is a really solid bet even if you feel like he's not going to and he's gonna actually gonna tone it down I think it's still a smart bet to take the over I mean it all he he has to do is predict two plays and you win two to three and so uh I'll, I'll take the over there on one and a half number five and this one's a classic this one's a classic what color will the Gatorade be poured on Bill Belichick and I'm saying it's Online, it read, what will the winning head coach, you know, what color? I'm putting, Bill, they're going to win this game. So, Bill Belichick. Uh, and here are the odds for all different colors or flavors of Gatorade. Green or yellow, however you look at this is That is a great point of debate, too. Do you call lemon lime green or do you call it yellow? I call it green because limes are green. But by the same token, yellow, I mean, lemons are yellow. Uh, but you look at the, you look at the drink, I would, I would say more green. But anyway, uh, green or yellow. Nine to four, orange four to one, red six to one, clear eleven to five. Which I don't see. I mean, because that basically at that point, what is it like vodka, like or water? Like, come on, they're not gonna. It's gonna be Gatorade. Like the Super Bowl is so highly sponsored. There's no way, like nothing will go unsponsored. Like here's the official lawnmower that we use to trim the turf. Brought to you by uh, what's the lawnmower? I don't, I don't know. Just name any lawn or John Deere. Do they make lawnmowers? I don't know. So I, I would doubt that one. Blue, 4-1, to one, and purple, 10-1. to one. Now, I feel like I'm kind of leaning towards blue, but I'm getting hints of red because the Patriots are like a classic, for, and really more Bill Belichick's a classic guy. He doesn't look like he has very distinct, uh, you know, 
He doesn't have a very distinct flavor profile when it comes to Gatorades. So I think it's going to be a pretty, you know, basic color. Red or blue. I don't see it orange. And they're both Patriots colors. So there's that too. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards blue. But if you if you wanted to take a risk and go after red, red's at 6-1. to one, Maybe, you know, have a chance to, you know, make some more money. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with you there. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. I'm not really too familiar with, with uh, you know, the odds on... Uh, on bets and stuff. I'm not a gambler. I'm not Michael Jordan or anything like that. But you know, I f- I feel blue. But if if you kind of have a you know feeling it's going to be red, I won't argue with you there. But I personally feel like it's going to be blue. It might be red. They're in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There's lots of all the seats there are red already, so they might want to play off that accent. I don't know. This is a great bet. This is a classic bet. What color will the Gatorade be? Um, you know what color will the Gatorade shower be on the on the winning head coach? This is a classic prop bet. I'm going blue four to one. Uh, I wouldn't argue with you if you said red. And the final one. This is the most obscure one. Um, will Sweet Victory from SpongeBob be played at halftime? Yes, minus two twenty. No, plus one fifty five. Um, again, this one. If for those of you who aren't familiar, you should be. But I'll go over it in case you aren't. Uh, the SpongeBob creator Steven Hillenburg tragically passed away a few months ago um and of course people mourn spongebob is one of the greatest shows ever on on tv i mean i don't care children's it doesn't matter spongebob he's fantastic and in one of the episodes one of the most famous episodes of all time uh they they form a marching band to play in what is the bubble bowl on the show, it's supposed to be you know, a play on the Super Bowl. I'm sure the Super Bowl is like licensed and it's trademark. You can't use the Super Bowl. So it was the Bubble Bowl. And uh, during the halftime show of the Bubble Bowl, SpongeBob and his marching band, which was orchestrated by one Squidward Tentacles, they played the song Sweet Victory and it was magnificent. It was majestic. I mean, it literally, I can't watch that scene without shedding a tear. I mean, and I sincerely mean that. It was, it was an iconic moment in uh you know just history history period i don't care television sports just history this will go down in history that performance of sweet victory so uh, after steven hilleberg passed away there was a petition that literally has hundreds of thousands and probably closer to millions of signatures to get that performance into the halftime show um and it's it's got i mean it has like a million signatures on there so it, a lot of people want this. I don't because I just feel like they shouldn't touch it. Like that original performance is something that could never be duplicated. Um, and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, they tweeted out a, a gif of SpongeBob from that. Ep- it was the same exact episode. Uh, he's in his little marching band outfit. And he's doing a little dance and stuff. And then uh, Maroon 5, who's performing in the um, halftime show, that, that is sure to be horrendous as well. Like, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, they tweeted out a video, like a hype video for their halftime performance. And wouldn't you know it, it comes up for like two seconds. It's not even a flash. Like you can clearly see SpongeBob is in their little hype video. So it's almost guaranteed. There's going to be a SpongeBob reference, sweet victory in the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm taking yes here. Minus 220. I mean, this is, this is like too easy. This is just way too easy. So, uh, you can almost guarantee this one. Uh, I'll take yes at negative 220. And that's all of our Super Bowl coverage for this year. Um, I think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a real bad game. Um, I don't know how entertaining that halftime show is going to be. I know everyone's going to be... Everyone's so excited for the SpongeBob thing. And I just think, you know, they, they some things you just shouldn't touch. You know, Jaws, they should have never made a second Jaws. Um, you cannot reboot Back to the Future. Um, you know, I can, I can just go on and on with a bunch of, a bunch of eighties pop culture references, but the point is some things are not meant to be recreated. So I'm not a fan of this, but you know, I'm not in charge. So whatever. Um, that's all of our Super Bowl stuff. Time for the ads. And then we'll get on to our uh, NBA. We got a, we're not even done yet. Okay. We, we got a whole bunch to talk about. So a quick word from our sponsors. Okay. So I don't even know where to start. Because, well, I guess I do. We're going to go chronologically. But this is going to be crazy. The last segment went like half an, over half an hour. This segment, I have no idea how long it's going to be. Uh, I, it might be so overwhelming. It could be 10 minutes. I might just say everything and say nothing at the same time. Um, and I don't want to go, I don't want to beat you over the head with all this information. Because then none of it's going to stick. And then it's just going to be boring. So, 
we got a lot to talk about uh, in the NBA. First, there was Anthony Davis that requested a trade, and that broke the internet. I mean, NBA Twitter, Twitter in general was just going off. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, he requested a trade. Did Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans? Um, he informed that if he was, he informed them that if he was offered a supermax contract, he would deny it and go into free agency. So it was better off for them to trade him and get something in return rather than lose him for nothing. And immediately, the Lakers were the front runners to land Anthony Davis, uh, as they should be. I felt like, yeah, the Lakers would probably be the favorites. Uh, definitely the most vocal about going at the, going after Anthony Davis. This is something that we talked about a few weeks in advance. You know, again, a psychic Steve strikes again. Uh, even though that wasn't really a prediction. Everyone knew that the Lakers were going after Anthony Davis. But we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I said how if they didn't get Anthony Davis, this entire franchise is going to crumble in front of our very eyes. And so the pressure's on. And when they announced Monday, it was around 5.30 in the morning. I mean, they really, they wanted this out as quickly as possible. There's no coincidence why it was out that early. They wanted to give the Lakers as much time as they possibly could uh, to talk with the Pelicans uncontested from the Boston Celtics. We'll get to that in one second. Um, and that was, at that point, this month, that last Monday, or this past Monday, however you want to call it, there were 10 days for them to make that move because the trade deadline was on February 7th. Let me make sure my numbers are correct here. I'm looking at my calendar. Uh, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yes, I know how to count. So they were only had 10 days to make that deal from Monday, including Monday, um, because the trade deadline was on the 7th. And the reason I say the Boston Celtics could not initiate uh, trade talks with the Pelicans because of the Rose rule, meaning you can't have two players under rookie extensions on the same team. You have to sign at least one of them or both of them to, I mean, extensions. You have to have one of them signed before you sign both of them because basically what it means is you're getting two stud players for, like on rookie deals kind of like at a, at a adjusted price, I guess you could say. So there's that rule. The Celtics cannot engage in any trade well they can they can begin trade talks but a trade cannot go through for the Celtics until July 1st of 2019 uh after the season uh and they like I've said before I said it in that uh that piece I did a few weeks ago the Celtics if it's a bidding war between the Celtics and anybody the Celtics are going to win they have the most to offer um so this was important that it came out that day on Monday how many days of the Pel- did the Lakers have left I didn't say that they have one, no, what did I say? Yeah, they have one week. They have exactly one week from today. That's January 31st to February 7th. They have one week to get this done. I feel like it won't. There's no, these trades don't just happen. And I say that we're going to talk about Chris Stapps Porzingis. That just came out of nowhere. But trades like this don't just come out of thin air for the most part. I have to say for the most part now because literally one just happened. Um, I feel like we're going to have a great day. And then the Pelicans, like I said, in that I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit, a little bit, but not so much. There is absolutely zero incentive for the Pelicans to make this trade now. No incentive. The only reason they'd make this trade is to hook up the Lakers and Magic Johnson. There's no reason for them to make this trade now when they can wait for Boston, who has, I mean, far superior assets. They have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They have all, I mean, the treasures trove of lottery picks from other teams by that point in july you'd know where the picks would fall like what number it would be um i don't think they have like phoenix or new york like any of the top picks but they're going to be lottery picks that we know for sure um the lakers have none of them. they have they control all their first round picks to the lakers but uh, you're assuming in this trade anthony davis for you know first round pick and then t- your assortment of you know uh young players from the lakers that draft pick is going to be like 28 29 27 because they're going to be winning game you put lebron james and anthony davis on the same team they're going to be a problem okay so they're not those picks do not have nearly the same value as the celtics uh picks do um and it's just yeah there's no reason for the pelicans to make this move which is you know Good for the Celtics and the worst possible situation for the Lakers because they do not want to get into 
a bidding war with Danny Ainge uh, and the Celtics, who Danny Ainge is one of the best GMs in the league, maybe the best GM in the whole league, outside of, you know, Golden State's front office because they pull, they've pulled off more than a few uh, pretty nifty moves over there. But Danny Ainge is up there. He's swindled so many franchises. Um, he, he's done a great job in Boston. So Magic, Magic Johnson doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to go toe-to-toe here with, with Danny Ainge. The first time in his career, Magic Johnson should be afraid of Danny Ainge and, uh, specifically. And uh, it's not... Move, I feel like, it, especially now it's Thursday, this came out on Monday, we're going to have an idea if this is going to happen or not f- tomorrow, Friday, or Saturday. We're going to pretty much know if it's going... It's not just going to... The trade talks aren't going to stall you know, over the weekend and then pick up on Tuesday and then the trade goes through on Thursday. It's not going to happen. We're going to know if it's going down pretty much you know, Friday, Saturday, maybe even Sunday by the latest. And uh, it came out that Dell Demps, GM for the Pelicans, isn't even answering his phone. He's not even taking any calls. He's putting his phone on do not disturb. Uh, he doesn't want to talk to Magic Johnson or Rob Palinka, And uh, that is not good. Because, again, for the Lakers, they want to make this deal right now because they don't want to get involved with the Celtics. But for the Pelicans, there is absolutely no incentive in trading... Uh, Anthony Davis right now the best possible move for that franchise is to wait for the Celtics in July 1st that's the best move for the Pelicans there's absolutely no reason why they should want to give and even old man Greg Popovich is he has no what is Greg Popovich's problem he has no business jumping into this he said don't cave into the Lakers he told Dell Demps publicly he didn't even tell him he said it like in an interview what is Greg Popovich's Go worry about your own team. You know, you're not even going to stick around for the FIBA World Cup. You're going to retire. Get out of here, man, old man. Like, that really, really bothered me. That irritated me because he had no business getting it. Just because he didn't want to give up Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. Now he's trying to stop all other franchises from getting giving anyone to the Lakers. If the Lakers start talking for Bradley Beal, he's going to get on a plane to Washington, D.C. And, and, you know, talk personally with Scott Brooks. Like, Greg Popovich, mind your own business, man. You've already had your day in the sun, okay? Go... Go into Shady Oaks retirement home. Your time is done. You're finished, okay? Getting back to the point now. Um, it came out that Dell Demps was just denying all calls. He didn't want to, He wasn't even interested in beginning any calls. But then this morning, uh, it said that the Lakers and the Pelicans have started, you know, preliminary talks and packages for Anthony Davis. Now, at first glance, I was like, okay, well, that's probably not true. I mean, why would you go one day not answering calls? You're not even picking up your phone to now you're starting talks. So it doesn't make any sense. But the reporter who leaked that was Adrian Wojnarowski. So anything that he writes is almost, I mean, it's like, it's in stone. It's, it's true. So that, I believe, so that kind of raised my eyebrow a little bit, um, just a touch. Not I didn't go full Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but I did raise my eyebrow a little bit. Um so they are talking about trade packages and the the package that was leaked that they were discussing was the package that the Pelicans said the Lakers would have to start off with in the first place. Let me check it really quick. And Alonzo Ball was in there. I don't know if you can still hear me or not. I know Alonzo Ball was in there. Uh, Kyle Kuzma. I'm check, trying to find the thing. I should have wrote it down. I didn't quite finish my notes. So that's on me. But... Uh, Hey, I told you I was doing research in class, risking, you know, my belongings. And uh, yeah, I can't find it. But it was like, um, it was Lonzo Ball. It was uh, Kyle Kuzma, Ivica Zubats, um, who's been playing great. He had like 26 and 16 the other night. We might not, uh, the the Lakers might not even need Anthony Davis because Ivica Zubats has been playing out of his mind. Uh, It was Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma. He beats the Zubats, a first-round pick, which I don't, I mean, you can have it. it. I don't understand why the Pelicans would even ask for that. Um, and I think Josh Hart. I think Josh Hart. You can't, and again, you'd have to throw in Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope, KCP, just because of, you know, the, the finance. Like, he, I think he's making, like, I don't know, he's making a lot of money, more than he probably should be making. Um, but you have to put them in there to kind of, you know, balance the books, as they say. You, you, they, financially, you cannot make this deal without uh, KCP. And uh, I've been asked by uh, multiple uh, compatriots of mine, uh, who would you move in this deal? And my response was, anyone they want not named LeBron James. 
even though I'd love for them to keep Kyle Kuzma, because if you think Kyle, if Kyle Kuzma is your third option, uh, the Lakers are probably Western Conference contenders already. And then you add, you know, the potential of bringing someone else in through free agency. That just makes it all that much better. But Kyle Kuzma is probably going to go. There's, I don't see any way how I don't see any way the Lakers get Anthony Davis without losing Kyle Kuzma, which is you know upsetting. But as I said a few weeks ago, you th- you think about the return of a top three player in on the planet. So I mean I, I'm okay with making that Lonzo Ball. You know how I feel about him. He's not an NBA point guard. He's not an NBA starter. Get rid of him. I mean you I'll give you I'll give the Pelicans. Lonzo Ball for Nikola Miritich, to be quite honest with you. If I get Anthony Davis, that's just that's an even bigger bonus for me. Um, but definitely Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, those are kind of the biggest. You know, it. I don't think the Pelicans want Brandon Ingram, which is ironic. Ironic because it felt a lot of people felt like he had a lot of potential. But I guess it's more of in the eyes of the beholder. It just really depends on what you see from Brandon Ingram. Do you think he has potential? Do you think he doesn't? Uh, the Pelicans feel like he does not because they didn't. They didn't ask for him uh, originally when they started trade talks. And uh, in that case, fine. Keep Brandon Ingram. You could probably flip him for something else. Um, like a third, a third, maybe a Bradley Beal. Maybe you end up getting Bradley Beal after all for Brandon Ingram and uh, Mo Wagner in a first round pick or something like that. I don't know. Um, so where was I going with this? Okay, so the Lakers have, yeah, they have good assets, not great like the Celtics. And uh, it's hard to really speak on the Celtics right now because they're kind of just on the sideline. They're just kind of playing the waiting game. They cannot wait. And get this, they cannot wait for February 7th because that's when the trade deadline is uh, up. And ironically, one week from today, as in right now, it's February 7th, we're going to be having an NBA trade deadline crowd noise special. So just get ready for that. We are not going to have a guest again for the, you know, how many, 300th week in a row. But anyway... We will have an episode next week, definitely. So that'll be great. Um, and I, I get this. The Celtics and the Lakers play on February 7th in Boston. So uh, that should be really interesting if that trade does or does not go down. Um, I, hope, I, don't, I hope that game is televised. It's on a Thursday. And I know TNT does, uh, you know, they have their national broadcast on Thursdays. I think Tuesdays as well. But I know for a fact Tuesdays. So that game should be televised. Hopefully LeBron will be back so we actually get a good basketball game. I can't wait for that next week, next Thursday. Speaking on what's on TV, real quick, uh, tonight, set your DVRs, uh, Deion's double play. That's going to be fantastic. I mean, Deion Sanders is my, I think, the greatest football player of all time. Um, it's about he played, uh, the time he played, you know, football and baseball at the same time. He played two sports. He's a dual sport athlete. I mean, Deion Sanders, prime time, he's the best. So that's tonight on ESPN, 30 for 30, Deion's double play. Make sure you tune into that. I am not getting paid by ESPN to say that. Uh, back to the Lakers. They were originally talking about uh, now they're saying yeah they're they're beginning trade talks you know Dell Demps is on the phone they're starting you know very they're walking on eggshells here and it seems like you know the only team that everyone's talking about is the Lakers and the Pelicans are just determined not maybe not so much not to move Anthony Davis but not to move him to the Lakers this is really their um, really their goal they don't want to see him in in uh, in La La Land which uh, I mean who doesn't hate Los Angeles right if you're if you were from where I'm from, then uh, then you would know. But uh, besides that point, that was pretty arrogant of me. But uh, you know, what can you do? There are other teams that the Pelicans can move Anthony Davis to. Um, the, it was rumored the Raptors, the Bucks, could potentially make a move for him and go all in this year because he still has. And this is where Anthony Davis and the Lakers do not have leverage over the Pelicans because Anthony Davis not only has this year on his contract, he has next year as well. So he'd be a, he'd be on whatever team traded for him, or if he just stayed with the Pelicans, he'd be on that team under contract for all of next season. So what the Bucks slash Raptors can do is trade for him now, um, give up all kinds of assets, make the Godfather offer, and uh, you know try and go all in for a championship this year. And if it doesn't work out and they feel like he still wants to go to the Lakers or he wants to just go to New York, I know the Knicks were someone that people were talking about. We're going to get to them in a few minutes because of the Chris Stapp's deal. Um, and they could flip him. They could retrade him next year to the Lakers or the Celtics and then you know reimburse themselves, get back the assets that they lost, potentially even more. They like flip this house, basically, for those of you who aren't 
following. You buy you buy a house for a while, you fix it, you sell it, and you make some money, and you do it again. So that's probably what the Bucks and the Raptors could look to do. Especially, I mean, the Raptors they are going all in this year because it, I I doubt Kawhi Leonard is going to stay. So you'd be stuck. You'd be you'd have Anthony Davis by himself. Um, and Kyle Lowry, I don't know how dangerous that team is in the East, so they'd probably move him out. Uh, in which case, both of those, again, the Bucks would have you know a longer window, even though they're a smaller market. You kind of have to weigh those two options out if you're either team. Um, the Bucks have a larger window because Giannis is you know he's so I think he's like 23. Man, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's a monster, and he's only 23 years old, so he's going to stick around. Kawhi Leonard is probably not. So those are two things you'd have to weigh. Uh, if you're those teams or a fan of those teams. And then think about this. They're in the East, meaning if they were to trade Anthony Davis to the Celtics, they'd have to see him every single year. I don't know how much they'd want that. That might potentially, you know, give the Lakers, you know, the upper hand. And, of course, we're talking about next year, to be 2020, um, potentially getting back Anthony Davis through a trade and a trade. But the one team that I, you know, there's uh, obviously those are the two that are rumored. The Lakers are the front runners right now, and then the Celtics, and then it's the Bucks and the Raptors. If you're an odds maker, that's that's uh, those are the teams that are most likely to make a move for them. But the one team that nobody is talking about, and it's just kind of confusing to me because I think this team is really building something special, and no one is talking about them, are the Brooklyn Nets. Now, um, going back to the Lakers, just. For a quick second, uh, Lonzo Ball, because he's just, he's just so great. He's a great basketball player. He says he doesn't want to get traded. If he is traded, he doesn't want to go to the Pelicans. He's too good for the city of Nolens. He wants to go to Chicago or Chicago um, or New York, <laughs> the two of the biggest media markets in the NBA. He wants to go where he wants to go. And what I would say to that is who the hell are you? Lonzo Ball, are you kidding me, Mr. Nine Points a Game? Are you serious? I mean, come on. Paul George dictated where he wanted to go, and he didn't even get it. Kawhi Leonard dictated where he wanted to go. He didn't even get it. Um, who else? Kyrie Irving, dict- well, he didn't really dictate where he wanted to go, but he got a pretty good situation, I would say. Um, you know, Anthony Davis is trying to dictate where he wants to go, and he's probably not going to get it. Those are two of the, I mean, three or four of the 10 best players on this planet and they didn't get what they want and you mister i can't shoot a free throw better than shaquille o'neal mister i have less assists per game than De'Aaron fox who supposedly was a a score exclusive i mean just could not pass the ball mister nine points a game you want to dictate where you get traded you want to tell magic johnson that you don't want to go where he's trying to send you I mean, the audacity of the Ball family is nothing short of nauseating. It's, uh, it's really, really infuriating to hear something like that from a player of Lonzo Ball's caliber or lack thereof. Uh, especially for the guy, and think about this, the hypocrisy of this. D'Angelo Russell didn't want to get traded, and they shipped him out for you, and by the way, over the past month and a half, he's got, I want to say, like two 30-point games and a 40-point game. Lonzo Ball hasn't sniffed 30 points in two years. So there's that. And uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. And when he said that, I, I envisioned for the Lakers. Getting back to the Lakers. Sorry. I know we're going to talk about the next, but I have to get I forgot this whole piece that I just did. Um, I... I I felt like Memphis because I Memphis is the worst basketball city in the NBA. You know they gotta they gotta move it out. They should just go to Seattle. Can we bring back the SuperSonics, please? Can we please bring back Seattle basketball? I'm I'm so sick of it. Anyway, I was you know trying to envision where what's the worst possible scenario for Lonzo Ball. Uh, send him to the Memphis. They're a third team who's looking to rebuild, and they have Mike Conley. The Lakers can turn around Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Evita Zubats, Mo Wagner. Send them all to different places, Josh Hart. And, you know, send them a few, most of them to New Orleans, maybe one or two to Memphis, and they could get a return of Anthony Davis and Mike Conley. I think if the Lakers were smart, which they have not shown any signs of being uh, intelligent, but they should contact Memphis and create a potential three-team deal, bring in Mike Conley, 
a veteran, a great player. Mike Conley's fantastic. And Anthony Davis. Now you have a really, you have a formidable uh, three-headed monster in Mike Conley and Le- LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That team I'd like. But that's just a thought. And the other team I thought, and here's a perfect segue, were the Brooklyn Nets. They could do a similar situation. You want to go to this, and I didn't like this one as much because you'd be accommodating Lonzo Ball. And the last thing I want to do is accommodate Lonzo Ball. But you'd send him to Brooklyn, New York, get a return of Spencer Dinwiddie, because they're not going to give you back D'Angelo Russell. They're just, they're just not. But you get Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a fantastic... If you don't know who Spencer Dinwiddie is, you're not paying attention to NBA basketball. Spencer Dinwiddie is a monster. He's a scorer extraordinaire. I mean, he's he, he shown more than an ability to lead a team to score. And he's a closer. Uh, not that you would necessarily need a clutch player, but Anthony Davis is, you know... He's a big man, so you're not expecting him to hit a step back three to win the game. LeBron James is... Uh, He's great. You know, LeBron James is great, but you just the more options you have to close a game out. And I said this about Damian Lillard a while back going to the Lakers. The more options you have, just the better. So uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, the Lakers, and Anthony Davis, that would be a potential move. But I thought, you know, there's no way the Nets are going to get involved because the Nets want Anthony Davis. They're not going to help the Lakers get Anthony Davis when they themselves should feel like they are just as much in the running as anyone else. I feel like the Brooklyn Nets should really throw their hat in the ring. They have plenty of young assets. They have a ton of uh, cap space. If they bring in Anthony Davis, you really have to start respecting them as a threat to sign Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant or, you know, a third piece. Or would it be a second piece? Yeah, it'd be a second because you're getting Anthony Davis. You're shipping out uh, more than likely D'Angelo Russell um, and Jared Allen. Jared Allen's a great player. He's already one of the premier rim uh, protectors in, in the game, center from Texas. I think he's his second year or third year. Jared Allen's great. He's, and he's got a he's got an afro, which is, I mean, a lost uh, hairdo of the NBA. They, we need to start bringing back, the, you know, the Rip Hamilton, or the, excuse me, the Ben Wallace, the Ben Wallace uh, afros. We need to start bringing those back. Those are great. Uh, Jared Allen, he's got one of the all-time afros. Dr. J had an afro. Come on, guys. We got to bring these back. Anyway, I think the Brooklyn Nets could really should be serious contenders to land Anthony Davis, and no one's talking about him. No one is talking about the Nets except for me, and I feel like the Nets could really be a bigger contender for Anthony Davis than the Knicks. Segway. The Knicks just traded away Chris Tapps Porzingis to the Dallas Mavericks. We're moving on. We're done with Anthony Davis. That's how you do it. I'm getting really good at segways. I'm getting really, really good. I, I really, I like that. I like the segue that I just did, and then I ruined it. I just went back. That's how. That's how not to do a segue. I, I, I got to the rim, and I didn't finish. I didn't score. Anyway, the Knicks just sent away Kristaps Porzingis to the Dallas Mavericks for a pretty good return. You know, I got, I gotta say, they got some great players: DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr., and Wesley Matthews, just to balance out the trade. And uh, the Mavericks are getting back in return. The, you know, the big trade chip, Chris Asper, Porzingis, uh, Courtney Lee, uh, some other terrible players from the Knicks, but really Chris Asper, Porzingis. And he's already informed the Mavericks that he is going to sign an extension because he was a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, he's, he said he's staying. So that tells me he really wanted out of New York. Uh, New York was probably done with him. They were finished with him. They didn't want to put up with him anymore. He's had some injury problems, but he's a great player. Kristaps Porzingis is. And, uh, you know, it's just really – I let me. I have to pick a team because I can't talk about two teams at one time. Let's talk about the Knicks first. Um, I don't know how I feel about this move because DeAndre Jordan and Dennis Smith Jr. are both great players. The reason I don't like that, though, for the Knicks is because I feel like they – I've always said if you're going to rebuild, you have to commit. You can't make any impatient moves to help you win – 10 to 12 games, it's going to drop, you know, your spot in the lottery. Um, the Knicks were easily the worst team in the end because Chris Porzingis has been hurt all year. He's probably going to be hurt for the rest of the season. So the Mavericks will not be able to pair him with Luka Doncic till next year. Even still, that's going to be, that's going to be scary for the West. But anyway, the Knicks were probably a front runner to get the number one pick, potentially Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett. Those are like the consensus, you know, those are the top two guys that you want. Uh, DeAndre Jordan and Dennis Smith Jr., they're going to win you some games. So uh, I don't know how, you know how much in contention the Knicks are going to be for that number one uh, spot. So could they potentially flip these two players? Could they take their number one pick uh, Dennis Smith and Dennis Smith Jr. 
and Yonder, they could just get these assets and then completely turn them around. Could they be in contact with the Pelicans? Because that would be a really tough package to turn down. DeAndre Jordan, Dennis Smith Jr. and a, a, a guaranteed lottery pick, top five. And you get Anthony Davis in return. And now you've made your, you know, your market even more attractive. You have Madison Square Garden. You have New York City. And you know, there's already been rumblings of Kyrie Irving going to New York, whether it's Brooklyn or New York. And then Kevin Durant having interest in playing for the Knicks. If you add Anthony Davis to that, I don't see how Kevin Durant turns that down. Um, I, there are rules. However, there are rules. You can't acquire a package through trade and then immediately ship that out. There are some rules, but I'm, I'm sure they'll find a way um, you know, to work, a, work around that. But the Knicks, I don't feel like this is a move where they should make it in, and stop. They have, they have to. This is a chess move. They kind of move backwards, but they're setting themselves up you know, to king them. So I don't know. That's checkers hunting. You know, you say king me. What's in chess? I guess checkmate. I don't know. I don't play chess. I play, I play real grown man games like Minecraft. Okay. Um, I feel like the Knicks, this move could, if this is like a fire, it's like a little campfire. You can use it and keep you warm, but if you don't take care of it properly, you can burn down your whole campsite. So I think that, you know, they should try and move DeAndre Jordan. It's an expiring contract. So he's gonna he's not even gonna be with the Knicks for you know next year. Um and then Dennis Smith Jr., he's on his rookie deal. He will be with them should they decide to keep him. They probably should have drafted him uh over Frank uh Nilakina. So, but uh you know they get him anyway, one way or another. They tried to, you know, they tried to find lightning in a bottle twice. They found Chris Hapsworzingus and they figured, well, let's get another foreign player. So they brought in Frank Nilakina, and we haven't heard from him in like 20 years. So uh, there's that. The Knicks, I really feel like they could use this move and set themselves up for the summer. This isn't a move for now. And I, in fact, I think this could really hurt them in the short term. Or maybe even though, no, it could hurt them in the long term. It's good in the short term because they're going to start winning games. But it's bad in the long term because you're going to hurt your draft stock, thus hurting your trade value, thus hurting potential free agents. I mean, you, they, they shouldn't be done to the Mavericks now. This is a great move. It's the opposite of the Mavericks. For right now, they're going to start losing games because you lose Dennis Smith Jr., even though he really wasn't contributing, but you lose DeAndre Jordan, who is one of the best centers in the NBA. This is a move that it's... These are two opposite uh, moves for both teams. But the Mavericks do not have a window like the Knicks. The Knicks are playing for this summer and this summer only. They need... They need to form a big three now. I mean, patience is really running thin uh, in the Big Apple. But the Mavericks, you have Luka Doncic. He's 19 years. He's younger than me. Luka Doncic is going to win the MVP at 19, and I'm 20 years old, and I'm doing this dumb podcast. Okay, so Luka, they have plenty of time. So they're going to have Kristaps uh, Porzingis and Luka Doncic next year. There's two already. Kristaps Porzingis is a stud when healthy. There's an asterisk there. You got to be careful with his health. And then Luka Doncic is already a star. I mean, he's already a star. So you have two. All you need is one more player, you know, to form your big three, a wing scorer because you have a guard and you have a big. So I recommend you get a shooting guard or a small four. They have to just get a wing superstar. And there's plenty of, there's plenty of those out there. You know, I mean, Jimmy Butler, even though I don't know if you want to bring in Jimmy, maybe not, maybe not. I don't think you want to bring Jimmy Butler in there, but the point is, you know, you just, you're one piece away already. And you have a big three, a bona fide big three in Dallas. And I really, I mean, this should really scare people in the West, specifically the Lakers again, who's all the pressures on them to make the move for Anthony Davis. Um, the Mavericks are making move. I mean, Mark Cuban's a confident guy and, uh, you know, it shows this is a big, a big leap of faith and, you know, kind of a, a showing of hubris by Mark Cuban to just make this move out of thin air. They just met, and maybe this has been brewing for a while, uh, because they met this morning, did the Knicks and Chris Porzingis, as I said earlier, and then an hour, under an hour later, he was traded. It was that quick. I mean, it was, so this had been brewing for a while, um, but good on Dallas. I really, really like this move for the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, you already have, you already have two. You just need one more for a, for a big three, um, and you have Kristaps Porzingis is also very young. Yes, he's been injury uh, prone. He's been very injury prone, but he's young. He's got plenty of time, you know, to heal. The Mavericks aren't in a win now kind of scenario, so they're not going to rush him back. Luka Doncic has his whole career ahead of him. Uh, the Mavericks, wow! I mean, what a steal for them. Uh, and they get rid of two guys who maybe they weren't. Uh, you don't need DeAndre Jordan if you have Kristaps Porzingis because you already have a big man, DeAndre Jordan. 
uh, got DeAndre Jordan, essentially, because last year he said he was going to the Mavericks, and he didn't. This year he went to the Mavericks, and they got rid of him uh, in less than half a season. So the trade season is already in full swing. We're, not, we're one week away from the trade deadline, and wow, we have our first big Woj bomb, um, Chris Stapps, to the Mavericks. Uh, the Knicks getting Dennis Smith Jr. and DeAndre Jordan in return. I think this is a good move for them if they make the correct next move. The Knicks should not be done, but they can really turn this into a big summer if they play their cards right. Um, should we? I'm not going to do quote of the week, man. There's no. The quote of the week was Nikel Roby Coleman ta- uh, talking trash to Tom Brady. Who cares though? That game was. That game's going to be terrible. So. Uh, you know, we have we have this we have this NBA trade. You know, uh, not even rumors, an NBA trade. You know, um, this whole week was an Anthony Davis trade rumor, and just rumors and rumors. They were not even things that weren't even going to happen, and they're not going to happen. I mean, Anthony Davis will not be traded by next Thursday. I feel pretty confident in saying that, and it's been more talked about than the Super Bowl. A trade rumor that's probably not even going to come true has been more talked about than the Super Bowl. So, no, we're not going to do quote of the week this week. It breaks an all-time streak. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, we got this. We got a great – we have – didn't we want more basketball? We wanted some real basketball talk, some NBA. I just did half an hour for you people, and it's still not good enough. You want another 10 to 12 minutes on some nonsense Super Bowl quotes. Gosh, you people. He never can never get enough. Make me so upset. That's the end of our episode. I'm not going to cater to you. I'm not. Um, I'll talk to you next week. You can listen on Apple Podcasts. You may may already be doing so. Uh, Anchor Podcasts, who I think sponsored the show. They were supposed to sponsor it last week, and then I got another uh, Baboon sponsor, so I guess that was good. Um, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I guess they sponsored me. They still haven't put me on the front page, so Anchor, I mean, come on, guys. This is a great. This is probably one of our best episodes yet. So if they were ever going to uh, put me on the front page, this would be the week because I had a good week this week. Um, Spotify. Oh, you can listen on Spotify too. I'd really recommend. Please, guys. I mean, it really, really helped me out. I'd really appreciate it. I'd love you forever. If you on, if you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Definitely leave a review. Share with your friends. If you're on Spotify, please do the same thing. Uh, subscribe. If you're on Anchor, subscribe. Uh, it'll send you a notification every single time. I put out a new episode. Uh, I don't think anyone uses Google Podcasts. Um, I don't have any uh, Android listeners, I don't think. I would hope not. I'll <laughs> um, talk to you guys next week. Trade deadline next week. So next week's going to be another big episode. Probably going to come out a little later than usual, only because I want to wait for the trade deadline to pass. I want it to be finished so I can really like discuss every single trade. Maybe not every single one, but you know what I mean? Like all the trades, the big ones that are going down. Um, I guess we'll do a Super Bowl recap if you want. Um, but it's going to be a predominantly you know NBA episode, which is great. Finally, I mean, we've been talking football all year long. And it's, getting, it's going on this horrible exit is the NFL season. So it's good for us. We're going to start talking about basketball. We're going to start talking about college basketball. I can promise you that. I can't wait to start getting into college basketball. Um, so there will be that next week. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for stopping by.